Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to The Forecast. I'm Sun Media golf writer Dave Hilson, and this is a very special live from the British Open edition of the podcast. The Forecast is brought to you by Callaway. Learn more about how to up your game at callawaygolf.ca. I'm alone in our downtown Toronto studio today while post-media national golf writer John McCarthy is on the ground at Royal Portrush in Northern Ireland, where the 148th edition of the British Open is being played this week. Some guys get all the luck. John's over there. I'm in our studio. But hey, it's a palatial studio, so it's not so bad. Anyway, we're going to talk to John on the phone in a few minutes. But before that, let's just give a little bit of background about the tournament briefly. This is the first time in 68 years that the British Open has been held at Royal Portrush and outside of either Scotland or England. The last time it was at Royal Portrush was in 1951 when it was won by Max Falker. Now, I've never been there, but Royal Portrush really does seem like a magical place to me. It's right up at the top in Northern Ireland, near the Giant's Causeway, which most people have heard of. There are holes with names such as Calamity, Purgatory, and Giant's Grave. Scary. Scary stuff. Scary for the golfers. Kind of mystical. The course was designed by Harry Colt, who also has a hole named after him. Royal Portrush is a par 71 that plays about 7,344 yards from the tips, and it should be a great test of golf in this, the last major of the year. Two of the holes were redone for this event, the par 5 7th and the par 4 8th. I'm looking forward to Thursday when the players get out there for real. Padraig Harrington was the last player to defend the Open title. He did so in 2008 at Royal Birkdale. And Francesco Molinari will be looking to defend the title he won last year at Carnoustie. Rory McIlroy, who hails from Northern Ireland, was the last player from the UK to win the tournament. He did so in 2014 at Royal Liverpool. That course was also a Harry Colt design, as is Hamilton Golf and Country Club, where McIlroy won this year's RBC Canadian Open. So who knows, maybe that'll bring Rory a bit of luck. I was lucky enough to be on hand for both those wins, and I can still can't believe he has only picked up one major since Liverpool, which was also in 2014 at the PGA Championship. The guy has such game, I can't believe it's been that long since he's won a major. But maybe this will be his week in front of his fellow countrymen on a course where he shot a record 61 as a 16-year-old. Yes, you heard that right. You know, McElroy is just one of the many intriguing storylines this week. So without further ado, let's get John on the phone. We've got Post Media's national golf writer, John McCarthy, on the phone now. How are you doing, John? We're doing great, Dave. How are you? Pretty good, thanks. So we want to cut right to the chase, get to the important stuff. How many Guinness have you consumed and is it really better over there? <laughs> okay, well, I've, I've consumed, I'd say, not enough. Um, <laughs> uh, 
been pretty busy the first few days. As for whether it's better, it, it is better. I mean, there's no two ways around it. It tastes better. I, if I had to put my finger on it, I'd say it's um, smoother. We'll say it's smoother. The foam is a little foamier. It is different from pub to pub, though. I mean, you have to, you know, it, there's even variants when you're here in Ireland. Uh, I was at one one place and I said, you have to try the Guinness here. And I, I thought they were joking, but no, it, there's a variant from pub to pub, but it certainly does taste better. I was talking to Corey Connors today and he agreed he's tried some Guinness here and he agreed it tastes better. But then he said, it's better than the cans at home. So <laughs> I, I guess better so. than that. I guess the... Um the bartenders there probably take a bit of pride in serving it as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I did. They're almost like baristas because I have had I've had a couple now that have had shamrocks uh, in the top of them. I, I guess they, like, they do it with the nozzle or whatever they do. But yeah, it's a beautiful thing, that's for sure. Yeah, I've never had the uh, privilege of having a Guinness in Ireland. Don't bring so. one home for you. Oh, that'd be nice. I mean, I've drank a lot of Guinness, but I've never drank them there. The closest, I guess, I would have ever gotten is Liverpool. A lot of, uh, you know, Irish descendants in Liverpool, and they like their Guinness over there. Mm -hmm. What's the atmosphere like right now? I heard there's supposed to be something like 240,000 fans coming there this week, which seems like a pile for such a small town. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's for sure. I mean, getting them all here will be uh, interesting, but... these these open venues, open championship venues, they're just so big and expansive that they can just pile in the people. Um, yeah, it's a uh, it's a record for any open championship not held at the old course. It's I think it's, they've sold two hundred and thirty seven thousand seven hundred and fifty tickets, and that's a sellout. So every day's sold out. They all interestingly, they also sold seventy four percent of them are sold to uh, inside the Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. So there's such great support from for locally that. Uh, it is, it is, you know, the biggest event that's been here in a long time. Do you have any idea what tickets are going for? Or? You know, no, I don't really know. I do know that they're, uh, they're, there's no readmittance, uh, which is, I don't think they normally do that here, but they to try to get away from either ticket fraud or people coming in and out and selling them, or for whatever reason, uh, once you're in, you're in, and when you're out, you're out. So that's, that's a bit different. But there's lots of people here, even for practice rounds, like far more people at uh, practice rounds here than... Um, than I've seen at other majors. How small is that town? Not population account, but I mean, is it is it like a one corner kind of town in Ontario? Or no, 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 it's not quite that small, but it's it's definitely a beautiful spot. I mean, I walking to the course. I walk to the course from where I'm staying, and you sort of get over this hill, and then all of a sudden you're just struck with you can see the whole town, you can see the golf course to the right, and then the ocean beyond. It's uh, quite something nice nice way to walk to work although today it was pouring rain oh it is raining over there now eh? well it was, it's, it's funny i mean it's, it can turn in like every five minutes looking outside i think it's the first sun of the entire day but it was a steady rain the first steady rain of the whole week so the last two days so uh, this is today's we're taping this on wednesday so monday and tuesday beautiful sunny warm people you, you could wear shorts today it turned so today it was uh 14 degrees maybe uh heavy rain or steady rain all day and pretty heavy wind but it looks like the sun's coming out now do you know what the uh, forecast for the rest of the week is supposed to be more like today than like the first couple of days i think there, there's supposed there's chances 60 70 percent chance of rain i think every day the wind is supposed to be uh, a factor so it's uh, players uh, talked to Hadwin and connors they went out early this morning together about eight o'clock and uh, Connors was happy that he um, 
that he got out in the in the weather because the last two days were really no nothing like they're going to face. So he they got their first taste of it, and and uh, it really is playing as a different golf course when you have the wind, especially and, and the rain and the cold. They were both wearing toques like good Canadians. Right, right. Now I know you've experienced some uh, pretty nasty weather covering British Opens over there. I was lucky; the only one I've covered was 2014 at uh, Royal Liverpool, and it was 27 or 28 and sunny every day. It's, I think it, I think it rained a little bit, but uh, it was it was not the weather I was expecting, so I was lucky. I packed one pair of shorts, and I'm just wearing them around my cottage. <laughs> I saw you posted on Twitter a, a photo of the cottage you're staying in. Can you tell us a little bit what that's like? Yeah, yeah. So um, the media hotel options were limited in there. The one that's close by was super expensive. And then the other one was in Belfast, which is like an hour and 15, I want to say, drive to the golf course. And that's without, you know, 50,000 people a day also trying to get here. Right. So I was just thinking that, you know, it could be two hours each way if I stayed in Belfast. So I was scouring the Airbnb market for anywhere to stay. And finally, I see this little stone cottage. It looks basically like something uh, Bilbo Baggins might have lived in right, you know, right. in the Lord of the Rings. But I, this little stone cottage, basically built for one. It's got, you know, one, one bedroom and, uh, and, it was available, so I jumped on it, and it's, uh, it's a mile away from the golf course, just straight up the road north, and uh, uh, it's about a 15-minute walk to the golf course. It's, it's, been, it's great. It's a, it's a funny little place, though. You look at it, and it basically, it, I'm not a big guy. I'm like 5'8", and if I was any taller, I'd be bumping my head uh, oh, on, really? a few, on a few doors. I don't think you'd make it over here, Dave. No, eh? And so would this cottage be available all year sort of thing, or they've just got it up because the open's there? No, it, I think it's available all year. It's funny, the woman that I'm renting it from, she said that the week I, the next week, four people apparently are staying in it, which I don't know what, what they're going to do because there's room for one, I'll say that. Really? Yeah. And two, there is a, there's like a love seat that pulls out to a single bed, so that would be the other sleeping option. So I don't know if it's for a golfing if there's four guys, they're going to have to get pretty cozy. I mean, it must be kind of a cool experience to stay in a place like that, too, really. Yeah, no, it's good. The one thing I'd have to say uh, is a negative is that as I drove in, the taxi driver said that there's like an animal processing plant about uh, 400 yards north of me. And he's like, if you smell anything, and I often hear a lot of dogs barking, so I don't know what's going on there. I'm trying not to think about it, but luckily the wind's basically, I think I'm uh, I'm upwind from it, not downwind, so so far so good. But when I got here, so I, got, I flew into Dublin, and then I took a, it was a flight to Dublin overnight, and then it was a bus to Belfast, a train to Coleraine, and a taxi to my, to my cabin, so I used basically every mode of transportation possible to get here. Yeah, it seems like it was a bit of a journey for sure. Mm-hmm. Big Bertha. It's an iconic name. Some of the longest and straightest clubs in all of golf. Well, now the legend just got even easier to hit. The new Big Bertha irons from Callaway are powered by a suspended energy core, a totally new construction, to deliver easy launch, long, consistent distance with incredible sound and feel. This is by far Callaway's easiest to launch distance iron ever. Get big time distance now. Experience Big Bertha irons today at your local golf shop or at callawaygolf.ca. It's 
just curious. You said, you know, British Opens, Open Championships are such huge deals uh, media-wise and everything. How does it compare to covering a U.S. Open, say? Um, well, the big difference is the U.S. Opens, they, they're very buttoned-up security. Like, it's like, I, I once told someone, I've never felt safer than I do at the U.S. Open, which is sort of like a, a backhand way of saying it, that they there's just sheriffs everywhere you look. You know, there's bomb-sniffing dogs as you walk in. It it does seem like uh, they're a lot more laid back here. It's a lot more of a... Uh, sort of a friendly atmosphere made for for spectators, and and a lot of the spectators are families here. And you know, you go to a event, a big event in North America, you get a lot of the same sort of you know cigar smoking, well well healed uh, Americans here. It's it's more of a family event. It's uh, I I prefer this atmosphere. Right, it's just more relaxed sort of thing. Yeah. Again, I I just covered the one British Open, but I found that there was um, I don't know if you've had the same experience or are going to have the experience there, but. I found there was a hell of a lot of drinking on the course, like to the, I mean, not by the players, obviously, but by the fans. <laughs> you know, here we would definitely call it public drunkenness, but uh, <laughs> they seem pretty relaxed about it. Yeah, no, I don't, I mean, there's everywhere, every tournament I cover, usually there's people are pretty much in a can by the early afternoon. <laughs> so I, at least here, they seem to have a bit more respect for the players. They They get quiet. It's almost like in Canada, they did too at the, Canadian Open. I mean, they get quiet when they need to get quiet. They, I don't know if they understand the game better or if they're paying more attention. But even during practice rounds, like you know, good shots get uh, you hear applause, and during a practice round for a, a well played shot, where sort of it almost seems uh, in America a lot of the time people are paying attention to uh, you know the the fan experience off the course as much as they are the play on the course. But it does seem like people are a bit more focused on the golf here. Right. Right. Have you had a chance to get out much for the practice rounds, or? Yeah, no, I've, I've uh, been out a bit. I've um, today I I was out there a little while with uh, Hadwin and Connors in the in the rain. Um, the first few days, it's just such a beautiful golf course. The vistas are uh, among the best you'll ever see. Um, there's sand, you know, sand dunes everywhere. Big tall sand dunes. The fairways are sort of the crumpled beautiful crumpled mess it's just uh it's quite a scene and the 18th hole has this awesome horseshoe i mean by the time the, this podcast is out people have seen it but the horseshoe grandstand around the 18th is is just phenomenal it looks uh it looks stunning when they come in, as you're coming up the fairway yeah on tv i mean it looks gorgeous and i'm definitely going to put it on my list of things to do uh get over to ireland mm-hmm. and play a few courses i haven't done that yet so that that should be on the list of some of the Canadian golfers. Actually, I was <laughs> we were talking with Connors and Hadwin, right? And I I found it amazing that uh, so Corey Connors said today he's never played a, a Lynx golf course. This is the first Lynx golf course he's ever played. That does sound Which, surprising. You know, I was, yeah, I was surprised. He said no. He says, uh, I, you know, I guess he's only twenty seven and uh, growing up, he's probably so focused on becoming the golfer he was. It's not like he's going on bucket list buddies trips with his pals or anything and and hadwin said his only Lynx golf experiences uh he's played he played in the british open last year and the year before and he said other than that cabot links is would be the closest he's gotten so he's another one that basically outside the open championship has never never played Lynx golf connors has never been to england scotland or ireland until uh until this week with the last name connors eh? and he's never been that's <laughs> yeah that's surprising so what what are his impressions I mean, he's he's always optimistic, so it, it, we'll have to see how he plays. But he he likes his game for Lynx golf. He says he always has because I mean he's a 
incredible ball striker, right? He's, he's like in the top 10 uh, strokes gained off the tee for the whole season on the PGA Tour. He's in the top 15 for the whole season on uh, strokes gained approach shots. So he's a phenomenal ball striker. And when you think British Opens, you think uh, Lynx golf, heavy wind, you want guys that can flush the ball, like I think we talked about last week. So he likes it. He says he can control his trajectory very well. Um, but, you know, experience counts for a lot around a place like this. The turf is just so different from anything that if, you, if you're not used to it, the sand, sand-based uh, fescue, fescue grass on a sand-based turf, the ball just bounds endlessly, bounces everywhere. So it takes a lot of getting used to, especially, you know, around the green playing creative uh, shots. Would it be fair to say that their um, Royal Port Rush is a lot more uh, up and down than most of the open courses? Yeah, no, no, it is for sure. And, I mean, the sand dunes give it this sort of epic look. Um, it, what it also does is a lot of the a lot of Lynx courses, they sort of go out one direction and come back the opposite direction. So you're facing whatever wind you're facing, you're you're sort of facing it for nine holes and you're going the, the, the opposite direction for the other nine right. sometimes. And this course is not like that. The routing is not out and back. So um, there's lots of dog legs and the holes are facing in sort of all different directions. So, uh, which only makes it more difficult in the wind. You can't ever get used to this wind. So let alone the fact that you're on a dog leg, so the wind's going to change on each shot. Then these dog legs are all going out in different directions. So I think you're going to see a lot of players, uh, you know, a little baffled by by the wind this week. And I guess that's why for guys like um, McDowell and McElroy and maybe Lowry even, um, you know, they have an advantage. They're Irish or Northern Irish, and they've played the course a lot. Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, McElroy was saying that he, I mean, he came here thinking that they might the course might be different than he remembered because he's only played it counting practice rounds this week he's played it three times this year right and he thought you know when he shot his his now famous 61 as a 16 year old here the course has changed a lot since then i mean 17th and 18th holes that were then there are now gone there that's now spectator village two new holes have been brought into the course and so the the finishing stretch is now what would have been 14 15 16 when he played it they've added yards on several holes so two new holes added a bunch of yards um one of the par fives is now a par four so he got here thinking you know perhaps there could be a lot more prep work he needs to do than uh, than uh, he sort of might have thought but then he says he showed up looked around a bit and he said nope this is the same golf course i grew up on you know grew up with there's nothing different and he uh went to his mom's for dinner oh that's interesting they they redid what um which holes did they redo so they so they got rid of 17 18 the rna said that they weren't sort of up to snuff they're very they used to be their flat holes up near the clubhouse away from the sea um okay and they were probably the two weakest holes on the course so they got rid of those and it gave them like you know, two holes worth of area that they could put tenting up for spectators right near the clubhouse, so it worked out good for them. Then they they used land from the Valley Course, which is the other course here at Royal Port Rush. They used land from that to make two brand new holes, which I think are the seventh and the eighth, the par five, the sort of zigzags. It's it's really a wicked hole, and then uh, the eighth is a par four. They're both right near the sea, and they're both actually fabulous holes. You've played the course, and you've now been walking around it for a few days. If you had to pick one hole that you think is the most intimidating, which one would that be? It's probably the 16th. Though. It's, I mean, there's so many 
sort of signature worthy holes. But the 16th is called Calamity Corner. It's a par three, 236 yards on the card, uphill, and it's got this uh, like a ravine of no water, but grass falls off to the right. If you miss your shot right, you're going to be like 50 feet below the green. Um, so it's it's uphill. Probably, I think likely this week going to play into the wind for most of it. Um, if you miss it right, you're 50 feet down the hill. There's a bailout area left that you, a lot of guys might end up in. And apparently the up and downs from this sort of bowl on the left are, are not too bad. So there could be a lot of players there. But, I mean, you're getting right to the end of the round. So if you need to pick up a birdie or, or, or you're holding on, you don't really necessarily want to face a 240-yard par 3 uphill with, you know, death right. So there was a guy, I don't know who it was, but I saw somebody hit driver, had to hit driver there today because it was into the wind and the rain. Oh, man. Really? Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. Even Gary, Gary Woodland hit a four iron and a five iron in practice, and you know he can, he can kill it, right? So he hit a four iron and a five iron. So that's what we're talking about with that hole. That's incredible. Um, now, have any uh, interesting storylines developed since you've been over there? Well, one thing I heard today was Pete Cowan, the uh, – the coach, you know, he's a swing coach for Brooks Kepka and short game coach for Gary Woodland. Um, he called Matt Wallace, said that Matt Wallace, the Englishman, he's 23rd in the world, called him a complete idiot and said the European tour should do something about him. He, he did that publicly? He called him that publicly? Yeah, in, a, in an article in the, one of the newspapers over here. Yeah. Okay. And he said that basically he had a tirade against his caddy recently and he's had sort of other, uh, you know, mini freakouts on the golf course. And, and so, Interestingly enough, Matt Wallace is playing with Tiger Woods for the first two days. So it's Patrick Reed, Tiger Woods, and Matt Wallace. So we have Patrick Reed, who's you know who can also be a hothead himself, snapped his putter over his knee a few weeks back. Yeah, Matt Wallace, who's you know quote a complete idiot, and Tiger Woods. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see that group. I actually, I actually wrote a story on Matt Wallace earlier in the year, and when I was in Florida, I think it was the Players Championship at Arnold Palmer, but. He he's such an intense player that I was like, oh, this guy's pretty interesting. He's a fun player to watch. But I did notice something a little as I was researching more about him. I kept coming across these social media posts of of fans saying, you know, Matt Wallace, why were you such a jerk to me on the golf course? Oh, really? Why did you say that you called my mother. Or something. I was like, really? This wow. I was like, I better. Uh, I better watch. You know, I better watch what kind of praise I'm heaping on him as an interesting player to watch. Uh, not knowing that, yeah, I guess he's, he's quite a hothead, but he's actually. I mean, he's a hell of a golfer, 23rd in the world, and he's on his way up. Right, right. But that might be a fun group just to watch for the volatility alone. And then yeah, you've, you've got sure. a couple of pretty good golfers in Reed and and Tiger as well. And obviously Wallace isn't too bad either. Yeah. Any other interesting groups that you can think of? Well, Connors is out with two open champions. I mean, David Duval and Zach Zach Johnson. So that's that's cool. I think it's neat that he got he's playing with them. I'm excited for this thing to finally start. Three days of uh, writing all these these preview stories. Been typing like a madman. But uh, tomorrow morning we get to wake up and watch some golf. Just on that note, you know, uh, any ins- aspiring journalists that might be listening to the podcast, can you give a People might think it's glamorous to be over there covering it, and it is. I, I think the glamour of that is probably slightly higher than the glamour of this studio. But, um, <laughs> you know, what's what, what's it like, actually, to be a guy that's over there covering an event like this? It's it's not all uh, fun, is it? No, I mean, it's fun. It is. It's what you hear. It's what you want to do. It's what I, I've always wanted to do. So I'm super happy to be here. 
it is it's tiring is what it is because you're you're out there you're getting to the golf course as early as you possibly can because you guys are teeing off at you know seven in the morning and then you're the first half of the day at least i'm hunting for an interesting story something you know something different something that's not going to be you're not going to get watching on tv so i'm generally out on the golf course um for the first oof, i don't know maybe four or five well as much as i can be in the morning so for the, the morning i try and spend on the course looking for stories trying to find a good angle you also have to as a canadian journalist i got to keep my eye on the canadians we've got three in the field you know austin Connolly, connors and Haddon. so i've yeah. got to know what they're doing at all times and be out there to watch as much of some of their rounds as i can and then you know, talk to them all at the end so you're you're basically chasing people people and golfers around for most of the day and then you scramble back uh, to the media center after lunch and you make sure that you also understand you know the storyline of the tournament make sure you're not missing the the big picture while you're out there running around and then at a certain point you have to uh you have to hope and know that you've got enough to write because you got to start writing because we have uh, you have deadlines to hit it's a little e- it's a little easier to hit deadlines over here because uh, you know right now I'm talking to you and it's uh, middle of the afternoon but it's it's already uh I don't know what time it is here. It's like eight or eight at night or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, almost eight thirty, I think. Yeah, so it's a little hard to uh, keep track of time sometimes, but you have to. So it's you have to split your time between chasing stories and typing as fast as you can. Like we, we had four pages in yesterday's paper, so you're just finding stories and typing them up. Yeah. Do you have uh, time at the end of the day to kick back a little bit? Hit oh, yeah. one of those Sorry. pubs. And then- Sorry, yes. And then drinking. And then drink is also <laughs> equally important. So you spend half your day writing and the other half trying to drink and then wake up in the morning. So, no, it's, of course, there's a few guys out here, some Canadian, uh, other, a couple of their Canadian media and some friends that you're, you try and uh, hurry up and finish your work so you can find a place to sit down and try one of these Guinness. Right, right. Are there enough pubs in the, in Portrush to, uh, for all the people that are going to be there? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it is... Reports are it's very busy. I've been the first few days. I've basically been working here till about nine at night, and then uh, grabbing a quick bite on the way back to my little cottage. But uh, it's it's funny here because the sun is up till ten yeah, at night, so it's yeah. like right now it's bright and it's bright and sunny outside. And I've got my computer still set to the Eastern Time Zone because I want to make sure I, I hit all of all of our deadlines. So I'm staring at a computer that's five hours behind and looking at the sunshine. So it's kind of hard to believe when i get in the house that it's you know 10 at night yeah feels like it's about six six or five yeah it is weird isn't it but yeah. it allows it allows uh, for more golf in the summer i guess yeah no that's that's the good part so we were talking about storylines a couple minutes ago and uh brooks kepka got in the uh limelight again this week for some comments he made about preparation for golf his golf games he said basically what he said was he didn't practice for regular tournaments. He only practices for majors. <laughs> and 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 what was the general reaction over there to that? Yeah, so yeah, that's what he said. He said uh, if you want to during a regular tour event, if you uh, see me on TV golfing, that's the only time I'm golfing. He says he didn't does practice. Uh, regular tour events only practices for majors, which might explain why. Guess why he only wins majors. Basically, he's got four major wins and two regular tour wins. You mean? Personally, I, I, I love it because it gives a, it's a great story. And when a guy's won four majors in his last nine starts, I want to know everything about him and what goes into making that happen. So having a guy that speaks his mind and is honest is like, that's, that's all we can ask for. I mean, a lot of guys, there's a lot of interesting interviews up here, people that are, you know, witty, charming, uh, uh, things like that. But 
which is fine, which is all good. But when a guy, when you're getting what you know to be the truth as they see it, it's 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 the best you can ask for. So it does rub some people the wrong way. I was talking to some other journalists here, and they were, you know, they're more on the side of. Uh, what a jerk. Like, you know, I bet the sponsors are pretty happy to hear that he doesn't try at their tournaments. Uh, and I mean, there's a bit of that in Canada, right? When he said that he doesn't care how he finishes, he only cares how he's playing as he walks out the door. Yeah, he said that at the RBC Canadian Open, right? Yeah, but from my point of view, uh, when a guy is, has won at this historic pace, I just want to know what he's doing to make that possible and, and everything about him. So the more insight he gives he gives us, the, the, I think, the better. But there is people that have different opinions. Yeah. I can't say I love the guy right now just because of the comments, but I do respect his honesty. I like it, in fact, because it's just it's so easy for pro athletes these days to, you know, not be truthful, basically. Yep. So, yeah, for sure. So, <laughs> and, and speaking of Brooks still, I thought it was quite funny that, uh, I guess, a few weeks back or whatever, I can't remember exactly, maybe it was after the U.S. Open, but Tiger fired Brooks off an uh, email or a text saying, hey, can I play a practice round with you at Royal Portrush? Because, of course, Ricky Elliott is, Elliot. yeah, is uh, Kepka's caddy, and he was a member there. I think he still is a member there. He's played the course a thousand times or something. So Tiger wanted some insight, and basically Brooks just uh, – <laughs> snub tiger not only did he not re- <laughs> say it, he didn't even he didn't even reply yeah i know i heard that yeah he said he wondered if they could play a practice round or something and they didn't he, tiger says he didn't hear back so i mean can you imagine not replying to tiger woods <laughs> no no i certainly could not but yeah. i uh you know i think it's okay tiger tiger probably can afford to be taken down a notch uh, here <laughs> and there i think uh He's got more than enough confidence to go around. So uh, I think it's gamesmanship. It's uh, if the story is as as Tiger says, if it wasn't sort of a yeah, he might have been joking, right? joke. Yeah, if it wasn't, and I, I think it's uh, it's gamesmanship. I mean, Brooks, is, these guys at the end of the day, they're not out here to make friends. They're out here to, to in Brooks's case, to try and make history. So I don't know if if I if I have a guy on my bag who's played a thousand rounds at a golf course, Tiger's never played once. I'm not sure I'd be loaning him out to to weigh in uh, to help Tiger out at all. I've yeah, I've got no problem actually with Brooks not wanting to play the practice round with him. But I thought Tiger being Tiger that you know Brooks oh, yeah. at least should say, "Hey Tiger, you know you're already good enough. Sorry yeah. man, you don't need my help." Type of thing. Yeah, but. send him back an emoji or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could do that. <laughs> So, of course, we know that Rory McIlroy set a record there, as you said, when he was 16, the 61. In honor of that, uh, TaylorMade has put out a 61-degree limited edition wedge, mm-hmm. which has been being talked about on, on TV here. Has that had any buzz over there at all? Or No, no, we haven't heard much about uh, about the wedge. I, I did, uh, Graham McDowell was talking a bit about the 61, how he was at Port Rush at the time, and uh uh, you know he's a he was playing here and he'd heard of, he'd heard that there was a kid there's a kid out here there's a kid around and you know really good and and what McDowell said today was there's always there's always a young kid but then he heard this young kid shot 61 and he said okay now that's a serious number so I maybe I should get a look at this kid and right. it turned out to be McIlroy it's still the course record it was a very different course when when he when he set that record but uh it's it's an incredible number, and you should just shoot it, especially when you're 16. Although Macro said today, in, in the course as it's set up now, he said if it's sunny and nice conditions, 
he could see maybe 63, 4, or 5. He says if it was raining and windy like today, he says oh, then it's 66, 7, 8 would be pretty much what he would consider as, as low as, as they'll go here. So is he saying that the course is actually a bit tougher now than when he shot the 61? Yeah, par is one less. They've turned to par five and the par four. They've lengthened numerous holes and the, and there's two new holes. So yeah, the course is it's longer for sure. So it is harder. It's always weather dependent, but yeah, of course. I mean, if it's not breezy, not raining, and warm there, it's obviously people are going to go a lot lower than if it's rainy, cold, and blustery, right? So, mm-hmm. so that's what I love about uh, Open Championships. Also, is that when the weather's good, the scores are low, and nobody like has a heart attack. I mean, you know, at the U.S. Open, if the if conditions are perfect for scoring, you have meetings of. Uh, meetings at the USGA as you know how they can how they can fix that but over here it's sort of like you know we know that the what that the, everything depends on the weather if the weather's nice then you guys are going to have a great day and uh, if you shoot a low enough score we'll put a plaque on the wall and uh but if the weather's bad you know you guys are in in for it so i kind of like it it's again it's sort of like that atmosphere outside with the fans being it's a little more everything's a little more at ease i find that at this tournament it's um it's sort of like here's the course, boys. Have at it. If it's you know if, if conditions are in your favor, you're lucky. If they're not, well then deal with it. So that and that's the, sort of the beauty of this of this tournament. Yeah, obviously conditions probably play a bigger factor there than maybe anywhere else in the world. I guess as far as scores go. Yeah, for sure. We know the big names that are you know, entered in this event, Rory and Tiger and Kepka and guys like that. There, anybody flying under the radar in your mind? Uh, like to me, Gary Woodland just won the U.S. Open, but he doesn't really seem to be getting talked about at all, for example. Yeah, no, I mean, um, far, I mean, last week we, I, I thought Bernd Wiesberger would be a good uh, a good long shot at 90-1, to one, and then he goes out and wins the Scottish Open. So I'm, I haven't checked the odds, but I'm sure they're not 90-1 to one anymore. And uh, so hopefully anyone who's listening put their bet on him, put their bet on him early when he was 90-1. to one. Yeah, you were dead on on him, but just a week early. I wonder if he spent everything he had on the Scottish Open. He, even, even in winning that, actually, he looked like he got, got into the playoff, but that playoff, it was like neither guy wanted to win it, really. Yeah. Yeah, no, he probably, I mean, yeah, of course, he is hard to say when a guy wins the week before if that's a good or bad thing, but uh, it means he's, he's in good form, obviously, but uh, who knows? I mean, Graham McDowell missed the cut in, uh, in Scotland, and then uh, then he's going to come here. He's about 50 to 1, but a lot of pressure on, on him. One story that I kind of like um, is uh, Andrew Beef Johnson. Mm-hmm. You've talked to him before. You've written about him. He was really uh, a popular guy, and then just kind of disappeared. And uh, he he got into the uh, to the British Open here by coming in top three or something at the Scottish Open. Anyway, he qualified at the Scottish Open. He gets here, and in Scotland, he basically admitted that he'd been struggling with uh, mental health issues, depression, and stuff. Mm-hmm. How did you find him when you you know talked to him and followed him around? To be honest, there couldn't have been a nicer guy, one of the nicest guys I've ever dealt with. He was uh, he was everything you'd see on TV during Beef Mania or whatever we call yeah. it. He was, you know, I, I was actually standing beside, I was, I was writing a feature on him because he was such an interesting character. And uh, I was standing beside him, talking to him with my tape recorder out when he changed the name he was signing from Andrew Johnston to Beef. And he was, he was <laughs> signing Andrew Johnson, Andrew Johnson, Andrew Johnson. But people kept saying, we, we want beef. Right, so, right. So he switched and, and started writing beef. 
And I asked him when he was done the autograph line, I go, well, you, what, what was that? I go, have you ever signed beef before? He's like, no, this is it. I guess that's what I signed now. So he was just, uh, he, he's, he was just as nice a guy as you'd see on TV, always smiling with everybody, always willing to take a selfie. I mean, he, but you know, sometimes when people are, you know, that willing to help everybody and be friends with everybody, sometimes, you know, it's, it's harder on them than you know. It takes more out of them than you know. And, and with mental health, I mean, you just, you just don't know who's struggling with it and who isn't half the time. So I obviously wish him well, but no, he was. He was, if he wasn't the nicest guy to deal with, he was certainly right up there. Yeah, I, I know he's certainly an outgoing guy, but watching him being interviewed at the Scottish Open, he also seems, um, if you, if can you be outgoing and shy at the same time? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he certainly is. I found him to be a lot more, a lot. He's more clever than you think. You think of almost when, during when he first became famous, he was almost like a cartoon character. It looked like, but right, the more right. you talk to him, the more you realize that he was, that he was a smart guy is a, there's a lot more to him than, than you could see. Seems he had, it looked like he was on his way to having a, you know, a good, good, surprisingly good career. And then, and then he sort of fell off. So I'll be interested. I'll follow him this week and see how he does. But, uh, yeah, like I said, wish him well. Yeah. He's obviously, I would, you know, going to be a popular guy around the course and hopefully he can make it through to the weekend too. That'd be nice. Yeah. Um, speaking of the course, have there been any last minute changes or anything that we need to know about? You know, I haven't seen too many last minute changes. Wasn't there, there a drop any, zone thing or something? Yeah. I don't know if that's been changed, but the, it's, uh, it's certainly interesting. The 18th hole has this horseshoe, uh, grandstand around it. And you've seen in other tournaments where players intentionally, you know, hammer a ball into the over the green into the grandstand, knowing that they're going to get a, a a nice a nice drop right around the green. So they're not letting that happen this uh, this week. You're going to have to be drop. The drop zone is basically foot high fescue grass. So you if you're going to hit into the grandstand, you're going to drop your ball somewhere that you could barely get a club on it. So I think it's a great idea, and uh, it'll stop players from doing it. The 18th holes is a it's a true par four. It's a dog leg right. Uh, it's going to take a good Good drive of about 300 yards. You'll have 160-ish in, but you'll be going into a sort of a sideways green, and a lot of balls are going to roll off the green to the left, which is uh, until it's like a runoff area. So that could be where a lot of dreams go to die this week if players are trying to make a charge because it's a tough green to hit. Right. Well, I'm certainly excited to see play start on Thursday, and I'm sure you are. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of pulling for Rory. Uh, might not happen, but it'd be a great story if he did win it. What about yourself? Well, I want Corey Connors to win. Uh, <laughs> well, that would be Open great on the first link on the first links course he ever played. So uh, well, I think that's a good place to leave it. That would be awesome. And we don't want to keep you from your beers. Yes, I must go now. So I think this is a good time to sign off. So for John McCarthy, I'm Dave Hilson. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back with you next week for a British Open wrap up. Thanks, John. No problem. Thanks, Dave. <laughs>